Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at DrivenChat.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Markar. Sat beside me in our little makeshift studio is... Amy Shaw. Again, always forget that you're going to do that. And a voice that, although we did hear you a couple of weeks ago, we've missed you. Andy J. <laughs> hey. hey. Hello, guys. Yeah, I've, I've come back. I have missed you guys badly. I mean, those people that listen to the podcast week in, week out, and don't realise we've got a radio show, won't realise that we three are still together every single week talking about Kari stuff. That's true. It's just that you guys get to do more for the pod, and I've got to do more of the nerdy stuff for the radio show, which <laughs> means I'm not, not as available for the pod, which I really miss because this is the fun one. Because you have longer chats and you can say things like poo and wee, which we can't do on the radio. It's true. It's very, very true. John says poo and wee all the time. I, don't, I feel like I don't say it enough, actually. <laughs> I don't say it enough. But hey, look, I thought let's get us all together. Admittedly, Andy, you are remote. You are, uh, we're, we're linked in via FaceTime. But due to the wonders of technology, the listener doesn't know that. It's amazing. But I thought I let's know. get us all together because this, I feel like I need some sort of fanfare. <laughs> Rubbish fanfare, one hundredth episode! Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh, look at that! You can tell who's the real professional here. Live audience, there, <laughs> real, definite, definite, real live audience in our amphitheatre of a studio that we have. Uh, yeah, um, it's. I mean, we've been building up to this for 
uh, well, well, 100 episodes. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in my head each week, I've been thinking, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do something huge and amazing and there'll be fireworks and stuff. But um, as is the way, you know, we, we have actually got a production company to run and two radio shows and other podcasts and various other very boring things that our dear listeners don't need to necessarily hear about, which means that it can actually be quite difficult to plan big kind of eventy things. Uh, but I thought it would be sacrilegious if we didn't all get together and say a, a quick hello and perhaps recap on some of our happy memories before we then just fold into another episode of the Driven Chat podcast, which is exactly what we're going to do in <laughs> about eight minutes. <laughs> we did have a debate about whether anyone listening would care that we're 100 episodes in. And then we thought, well, actually, some of you are amazing and have been with us from the very early stages. I mean, from like... Some of you can even remember the very first few shows where we had the lovely John Quirk with us, yeah. who of course had his had his wings clipped by his company that said, "No, you can't do a car podcast and express an opinion." So he got he unfortunately had to leave because he got told off by the people that he works for. <laughs> so some of you will remember that and, and have been with us for a long time, mm. and will realise why we wanted to just mark a hundred episodes because it is massive. I mean, one of the other shows that John's referring to is my celebrity chat showy thing, and for that hundredth, which was a few weeks back now, I was panicking. I was like, "Well, what do I do?" Because the guest I had lined up for it wasn't particularly exciting, and then thankfully. <laughs> Harry Hill showed up and I was yeah. able to put him in and that yeah. was a relief. So that was that was cool. But yeah, we got to mark it because we've done some crazy things in we these have. last hundred episodes. It's been nuts. It has been nuts. And I think the thing to point out, so I'm trying to cast my memory back to June. Was it June 2020? June 2020, I think we first sat yeah, down together. Nearly two years ago. So since the, episode, the first ever episode went out, we have released... Every single week, a new episode. We have not stopped once. We haven't stopped for Christmas. We haven't stopped for Easter. We haven't stopped for any other reason, including us going on our own holidays. We have found a way to bring you an episode every single week. And in fact, we occasionally have brought you more than one episode a week because we've done bonus content for somebody who's really wanted to get some information out or a, a story out beforehand. So... I think we all deserve to give ourselves a little pat on the back, really, because it has been <laughs> quite the thing. We started this mid-pandemic. We were able to record together, and then we weren't, and then we were again, and then we weren't. So we've done this in person. We've done this in our studio truck. We've done this at Caffeine and Machine. We've done this sat on my sofa. We've done this in all different aspects via FaceTime and Zoom and via all sorts of different forms of technology. Um, and uh, yeah, 100 episodes, it feels uh, it feels pretty special. I'm very, very, very chuffed. It does feel really special. And as you said, when you like, like kind of lied out like that, it's so much of, so much stuff has gone into doing this. And this is something that when we all started, I mean, for Andy, you're brilliant and you've done loads of this already. John, you've done quite a lot. I had never done anything like this before. So for us all to still be here and hopefully enjoying it 100 episodes later, I think is wonderful. And some of the people that we've got to speak to as well, I mean... I never thought I'd be speaking to people like inventors. That was a recent one, wasn't it? We spoke yeah, to an Neil inventor. Baron, yeah. uh, you know, ex-SAS, amazing, cool story people, people who've ridden motorcycles around the world. And just, I think to myself, every time I meet one of these people, I'm like, this is really cool. I, it's really cool I get to do this. <laughs> I'm so happy about this. <laughs> so, no, I, I mean, it's it's awesome. I'm really excited to, to see who we can chat to next and to re-listen to some of the chats that we've... Uh, yeah, I suppose did maybe 50 episodes ago or something like that. Yeah, 
indeed. It, it is nuts when you think about it. I was I was just having a little kind of think as Amy was talking there about the various things we've done. And let's not forget the truck, the Driven Chat truck, mm. our, our studio on wheels that we've been in. Come rain or shine, we've taken it to some crazy locations. I mean, we've had it down on the South Coast with you and Thomas, the Olympic athlete. We've had it at the Silverstone Classic where it bucketed down with rain and was basically leaky. We've had it more times than I can remember at the Joyful Caffeine and Machine, which has just been a spectacular home for us and like a second home on many occasions, which we've absolutely loved. And we've, I mean, we've taken it to Wales. We've hung out with Drew Pritchard mm. and Amy had a rainbow Bentley to delight him with. You know, there was all kinds of silly things we've done. We've been up the Brecon Beacons testing our cars out. We've had We've attempted to deliver a smoky, sexy shoot with an eye paste that failed miserably, but nonetheless <laughs> was a lot of and I got and I got burnt in the process. But it was <laughs> fun did. doing it. You know, we've we've had a fascinating time. We've been to Jaguar Classics and hung out with David Gandhi driving. I mean, I can't even remember how much his car cost, but it was an uncomfortable amount of money, and Amy decided to get behind the wheel and drive it. Honestly, you know, I think that was my best day I've, of my life, genuinely. When, <laughs> when I was driving in his XK120 with Gandhi in front of and an XKSS and Andy, you behind me in an E-Type. And I just thought, how yeah. the hell have I got here? This is brilliant. I never want to leave. <laughs> it was it was insanely cool. Yeah, that was, a, that was a hell of a day. And then we went to GTO Engineering. Who can remember that day? Yeah. Holy moly, that was fun. Yep. Yeah, it, it has been incredible. And it's so difficult to think back. I, I do often find myself, obviously... Uh, being the person that does the uploading and things, I, I, I often scroll back and just look at the list of the names, the celebrities that we've spoken to, the personalities we've spoken to, and yeah, the adventures that we have been on to uh, to provide content for this this wonderful podcast. It's um, yeah, it is great fun. So I guess a huge, huge thank you uh, to everyone that has taken the time to listen. If you are one of those people if you're in the hundred club we can call it now that's listened to every single episode that we have to offer i met somebody recently at the goodwood members meeting that says he's listened to at least every episode at least three times wow. now that is incredible to think that that's more than people. me yeah absolutely yeah. More, more than me and i edit the damn things yeah no it's been it's been um incredible to meet so many of you out and about at events and please Please, please, please don't feel shy to come and say hi because there's, no, it, it, there's no feeling in the world that compares to when you're at an event, uh, especially in the car world, and somebody will walk over and go, oh, hi, I uh, just wanted to say I really enjoy listening to the podcast. It is the best thing ever. So a huge thank you to everyone that's listening. Um, I want to say a massive, massive thank you as well to um, some of our behind-the-scenes people. Uh, Tom Kent, who is our yeah. audio producer, he effectively takes a bucket of noise from us each week. <laughs> and because, you know, starting out up until I think around sort of maybe the 70 or 80th episode, I was doing all the audio editing myself and was just winging it, not having a clue what I was doing. Crash courses in Adobe Audition on YouTube every single week. Uh, to be able to pass the the editing over to Tom has just been amazing. And he has made uh, certainly my life a lot easier. But yeah, he's he's definitely helped us all as a team. So yeah, huge thank you to Tom. And then of course, some amazing other people behind the scenes that have been with us along the way. People like Luke, who's uh, one of our videographers and cinematographers, and he does all of our lovely drone filming. He's done incredible things. Uh, Richard Fulbrook, who's our in-house editor, video editor, uh, comes with me most days on our kind of uh, any, any days out where we're driving cars and doing fun things. Um, Rich is often there with his cameras, um, 
going, nope, do it again, nope, do it again, because I've stuffed up a line of some sort. So a huge <laughs> thank you to Rich. Um, Amber, as well, our production assistant. We, we talk about Amber every so often on our social feeds, and we reference her occasionally on the podcast. Uh, a huge asset. She joined us back in June last year and has been um, yeah, a huge help to us all. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but um, yeah, Phil and Alexis and various other people that sit behind the scenes and, and help us and enable us to do what we do and create what we create. Um, we, we are so grateful to you all. And uh, hey, here's to the next 100 in, in whatever shape or form that may be. Um, and, and yeah. whatever outlet we end up kind of pushing forward on, it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a journey and, and long may it continue. It has been terrific. Um, guests that have stood out for you guys, because I was having a think about who, who do I remember as being a really great guest that's, that's kind of stood out, either because he's, he or she has made us laugh or because something was really cool about it or whatever. Who, who sort of rings in your memory? Go on, Amy. I'm, I'm sitting oh back because I need to think about it. Um, there, there's just loads for different reasons. Sometimes we've chatted to people who I've thought, oh, I'm not too sure about this, and then loved it afterwards. Mm. Um, I think for me, probably the Jay Morton one I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Just because I just thought this is a whole different way of thinking, a whole different kind of lifestyle I would never have even considered and that and and never will be in so that was really interesting for me i think some some of the bike ones for me as well like yeah elspeth and jackie it's um yeah yeah, that that was that was really really inspirational um yeah what do you what do you think it is it is amazing i mean for me there's been so many people that i've spoken to personalities from the automotive world as journalists or writers or tv presenters oh richard porter you love richard Richard porter Porter. i mean yeah I, i i I kind of want to say we're friends now, Aww. which is quite cool because we bumped <laughs> into each other a few times at various events. Um, yeah, people like uh, Porter, who have been a massive inspiration to me over the years. And he listens to our podcast, so he will be listening to this and he'll hate that I'm being gushy. <laughs> but, um, you know, Richard, as I said to him in, in the podcast recording, was a personality that, despite the fact he was very much behind the scenes in the world of Top Gear and writing and, of course, I sniff petrol, uh, I was very much aware of who he was and wanted to kind of get myself into a similar working world. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one that jumps out to me. But um, yeah, like you say, Amy, sometimes it's the conversations you aren't expecting to be as dynamic as they turn out to be have been great. So people like yeah Neil Barron, who we spoke to, the inventor, that was a that was a fantastic conversation. Charlie Borman, we went to his house mm, in Barnes, we sat at his dining table and recorded a podcast with him. He made us he made us all cry. Yeah, yeah. and well, certainly made me cry. That's for sure. <laughs> and then he like ripped up the road on his electric Harley Davidson. It was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, yeah more names than I can I can I can care to mention but yeah some hugely brilliant people and some um, massively supportive people as well who've been on as guests and then have continued to listen or continue to keep in touch people like uh, you know, Mike Brewer we cannot of course um, avoid mentioning Mike Mike's been we with us Mike. we, we absolutely love Mike, love Mike. He's, a, he's a proper friend yeah, yeah he's a great great guy and I think great we cuddler first, as well he does love a cuddle he doesn't he but we recorded with Mike first on the podcast I know Andy you and Mike have been friends for a million years but we recorded with Mike for the first time when he was still in LA whilst he was doing Wheeler Dealers out there then he came back and recorded with us in person and then that turned into a bit more of a flourishing friendship so you know I used to watch Mike Brewer on TV when I was about 11 years old and now I'm working with him it's just incredible it really is incredible um, but, a couple of names that I'm going to throw at you yeah, as well. Yeah, go for it. Because I'm sure this one is going to make you both smile. One of, I think, the most lovely conversations we've had was with Ian Callum. Mm, yeah. yeah. I love that just episode. The, for the, the nicest man in automotive by a million miles. Mm-hmm. He's just 
solid gold, isn't he? And possibly the best voice. Oh, I like to like li- just caramel. to listen to. Yeah, it is. It's like melting chocolate. <laughs> just really, really great voice. Um, yeah, Ian Callum, what a star. What an absolute star. Julian Thompson as well on the designing front. Again, just yeah. so inspiring to hear people that have designed, physically actually drawn, sketched out some of the most iconic cars that we love looking at on the road. And yeah, we've we've had them in our ears. We have. We have. And on a Top Gear theme, the Andy Willman episode yeah. was really interesting. I thought he was absolutely riveting. And of course, we've also had the other Wheeler dealers, Ant Anstead yeah. and Mark Priestley, Elvis, as he now is known in his new world. <laughs> yeah. Magnus Walker in LA joined us in yeah. that crazy Zoom link where he talked about how he'd never had a laptop before, the madman. <laughs> Dear Uncle Magnus. I mean, we've just, we've spanned a huge, huge number of people. And the great thing is... The merry-go-round continues. There's just so many more chats to have, so many more conversations. And because so much time has changed now from episode one through to now, we can have people back Mm. and there'll be lots of new things to discuss. It's great. Absolutely. I'm very pleased we're doing this. (laughs) So, yeah, wish I was more involved in the pod than just having to do all the other side of the business side (laughs) of things. But you guys, I've got to say, I'm so proud of you both. You're doing an amazing job. So thank you for continuing with your excellence and your endless energy and boundless enthusiasm. It's a joy to witness. Well, a a big thank you, really. I think it's essential to you, Andy J, because without you, uh, we wouldn't be sat here doing this. This was your idea. This is all your fault. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we got off. I mean, I, I very, very, very uh, fondly remember getting a phone call, I think, one early Saturday morning. Um, I think I was having a line and, and the call even woke me up. And you were like, have I just woken you up? I was like, yeah, and I'm not even going to pretend he didn't. And it was this, <laughs> do you fancy? It was about 11.45. It, was, it really was. It really was about that time. It was, yeah, mid, mid-lockdown pandemic, Saturday morning. It, was it Saturday morning? Who knows? It was one of those who knows days. Um, but yeah, a phone call saying, um, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you want to get involved? And and yeah, here we are coming up two years later, which is um, which is amazing. So a huge thank you to you, Andy J. And um, yeah, thank you for all the work you're doing behind the scenes, which is the, the, the stuff that the listener doesn't see or really know about. But yeah, in relation to our radio show and various other media links and things that uh, that, that go on. It isn't just it's a magical truly... machine that happens. It, it <laughs> does involve hard work and you are the one doing it truly is the boring stuff i've got to say compared to, the, compared to the fun stuff which is what i thought i'd be doing joining you guys on the chats i'm only sidelined because i'm trying to keep us going but it's great and yeah like you say to echo everything you've said the thanks to everybody that you've appropriately name checked and of course to our wonderful listeners you know you guys are brilliant and we we really really appreciate it i think we should probably get on with episode 100 now rather than any more backslapping don't you let's do it let's get on with episode 100 which is some content i recorded a few weeks ago at the goodwood members meeting with our lovely friends at Bonhams Auctions. I'm delighted to say we're going to be doing more stuff with Bonhams at all the Goodwood events in the future. And here is the content that I recorded from the members meeting auction just a few weeks ago. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. At the moment for this opening, I was hoping I'd be standing with my colleagues around me, with an Andy Jay, an Amy Shaw, and perhaps a few of our production team. But it's just me. <laughs> but that's okay. Because I am surrounded right now by the best-looking classic cars I've seen in quite a long time. We have once again been invited by the wonderful people at Bonhams to come down to Goodwood. And the event we're at is the Goodwood Members Meeting here in the lovely month, sunny month of April here in the UK. And the Goodwood Members Meeting is the third event on the Goodwood calendar uh, after the Festival of Speed and the Revival. The members meeting is the first event that happens in the year, but the third event that uh, came along on the calendar for Goodwood. 
and it is a smaller, slightly smaller scaled event in comparison to things like the Revival, in which the circuit is used for some competition motorsport. You see a collection of wonderful cars, a collection of wonderful racing drivers, and of course, other activities such as the auction that happens around. And that is where we are standing right now. We attended the auction at the Goodwood Revival back in September last year, 2021, and we're back now, 2022, for the members meeting. And we hope all being well, that we will also be attending for the Festival of Speed and the Revival later in the year. Now I'm going to walk around this wonderful marquee full of fabulous cars and I'm going to grab a couple of people to talk to. And the first person I'm going to speak to is a chap called Paul Darville, who has a fairly senior role within Bonhams, um, essentially being in charge of all the European auctions. Paul's going to walk around. I've picked out three cars that I want to talk about. No doubt I'm going to get distracted and want to talk about more. But Paul and I are going to walk around now, have a look at some of these cars, have a talk about some of these cars, and to keep an eye on what we're talking about, have a look at our social feeds, Driven Chat on Instagram. You will see all the cars that we're talking about in great detail, which have just all been uploaded. I'm going to take some photos and some videos. I'm going to upload those and they will be available today on the day that you're listening to this episode. So for now, let me disappear to a little jingle, and when I come back, you'll hear my voice once again, albeit slightly different on a different microphone, but I'll be with Paul Darville. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Right, it's Friday evening, and I am currently standing in an extremely large tent. I don't think we can even call it a tent. It's more of a gazebo. Um... Maybe there is a posher term for it, Paul. Is there marquee. a marquee? Marquee, good. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that word. <laughs> yes, I'm standing in an enormous marquee, draped with the words Bonhams, and that means one thing and one thing only. It means I'm standing at the Goodwood members' meeting the day before it all opens up, the day before it all kicks off. Uh, because once again, at a Goodwood event, we have been so kindly invited by Bonhams to come along and have a little look at the auction. This time I'm quite delighted because we were able to get in a day before it opens up, uh, rather than battling through the crowds. And uh, I've grabbed Paul Darville, who has very kindly, uh, willi- uh, shall I say willingly, Paul, or you were, you were volunteered? Yes, yeah, willingly, let's say. Let's Perfect. Say. <laughs> That's very kind. So, Paul, why don't you tell us um, who you are, what you do for Bonhams, and the significance of this weekend? So, um, my job is to be the European Auctions Manager for Continental Europe, actually, but that also brings me, of course, to our UK sales. I've got a great position. I get to do all of our sales globally at the moment, until someone looks at my travel expenses. <laughs> um, so, pleasure to be back here at Goodwood in the spring, in our in our marquee, although now you mention it, in the high wind yesterday, it did feel more tense than marquee, I have to say. It does move quite impressively when the wind gets up, so you'd be forgiven for calling it a tent. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, you're here on our setup day. You're sort of in the kitchen before the, before the restaurant opens, uh, seeing all the uh, preparations uh, as they happen. Fantastic. And, yeah, I, I, I did hear reports of uh, slightly strong winds on the day before, so that's the Thursday. Um, meaning you couldn't even get cars moving in until the evening, is that right? Goodwood Health and Safety locked us in here for five hours yesterday because there was wow. flying debris, um, which, was, which was nice, you know, but sadly the alcohol hadn't arrived, um, so uh, <laughs> we were forced to work uh, and, uh, and do condition reports on cars. But we really, we had lots of time to line things up inside very, very neatly yesterday, so uh, time well spent. Fantastic, excellent. Now I've picked out, Paul, three cars that have jumped out to me in this auction. It's always an impossible task, especially in audio form, trying to bring people content from a car auction. 
there's the reliance on people hoping they know what I'm saying and what I'm talking about, that they even know what a 550 Maranello is. However, I've picked out three cars that to me personally, quite selfishly actually, have jumped out to me that I would love to know more about. And as we're walking around this beautiful marquee, if anything else jumps out to you, like for example, an Aston Martin we're standing beside, which I hear used to be owned by Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant indeed, Incredible. yes, absolutely. So that's a uh, Aston Martin Vanquish. Exactly, it's a Vanquish. The car sort of uh, saved Aston Martin in that period. I know there were several cars in Aston Martin terms that have saved Aston Martin, but I, I think the Vanquish was a turning point for the uh, for the mark, and it's it's actually aged very very well. Oh, it has. Um, yeah. So uh, and nice condition example with a little bit of uh, Hugh Grant uh, history on there as well. His name is in the service book. Fantastic. And does does that sort of thing add value? Does it add a significant value to the car? This is quite a common question, and I suppose it's a difficult thing to uh, sort of define. Actually, it's one of those things. Actually, an auction's great for. You know, an auction yeah. will, will determine whether it adds value. I think more often than not, it adds interest rather than value. That's a for good that idea. to add value. We've got to find Aston Martin enthusiast and collector who is also a big <laughs> fan of Hugh Grant for it to really, really make a big, big difference. But it, it adds interesting. It's bragging rights down the pub. You've it got is. Hugh Grant's Aston Martin Vanquish, and that surely has a value. Indeed, love that. Okay, perfect. Now, the first car that I've picked out is the, is the is one that I can see, so that's going to make our lives easier. So we're going to walk over. It's taken, I think we can, fair to say, it's taken centre stage within the marquee, and that is a rather beautiful three-litre Porsche 911 with, well, what I can only describe as multiple years, many years of rally heritage stuck to it, quite literally stuck to it, in the form of <laughs> decals and... A lovely layer of mud and dirt. What can you tell me about this, Paul? Exactly. Well, I, we are, I realise, an audio format mm. here. So I do, I do wish people could see this car because this car has 40 years of battle scars and mud and scrapes and dents on it and all, all the better for it. Uh, I think we believe this car to be the Porsche with the longest uh, competition life of any car that we've, we've seen from oh, the mark. Wow. Um, it's done like three times around the world in competition. It, it wears a lot of battle scars, and I think uh, it, it is all the more appealing, as I say, for, for that particular, uh, for those particular marks all over it. We've deliberately left it muddy because um, there is a fantastic video, which I think you've seen uh, on our yes. website, uh, with a particularly uh, uh, enthusiastic member of our team driving <laughs> the car. Very, very uh, gamely, I must say. Um, we, we didn't have to force them to do that job, I must say. No, I, no, I, no. I can't imagine that uh, <laughs> there, there was much in the way of protests. We need you to come out and drive a Porsche rally car on a rally stage and make it messy and dramatic. Yeah, that, that's the kind of question you do want to be asked in the office, isn't it? Exactly, and I was always a big fan of rally. It's great to see these cars getting a bit more appreciation. I think 10, 15 years ago, rally cars were probably a bit of a say a peripheral interest, I mm. think, in our, in our collector's world. That's definitely changed. Group B has led the way, of course. Yeah. And then Group B has become fantastically collectible. But that has tended to generate more interest in, in historic rally cars in general. Goodwood have taken that on as well. This car was shown at, uh, at Festival of Speed, uh, where you've got that wonderful rally stage yes, up the top. Always my favourite bit of the Festival of Speed. Away from the crowds, so you can get a a beer up there and a, I can't do this anymore I work for Bonhams but in the old days before <laughs> I worked for Bonhams I would go and shelter up at the rally stage uh, when I wanted a bit of a break from the uh, from the festival crowds and so these cars really are are, are gaining an interest and deservedly so um, yeah I think there's no in terms of driving skill it's something always amazed me to see someone drive a car like this at, at significant speeds on multiple different surfaces yeah. over long periods of time 
it's one of their most impressive driving uh, abilities I think you can see in, in, in motorsport. Absolutely. So the base of this car, this is a 1970s 911? Yes, it's a 77 model. You've, you've put me on the spot Sorry. here now. Sorry, I'll, I'll it's try not 76. to catch It's a 76. It's a 76. Close. You were very close. Prepared in 77, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, it was built for the London um, Sydney Marathon. Um, so built Fantastic. very very early straight away into into a historic rally car, and it's been a his, uh, you know been a rally car since '77, um, and has done enormous numbers of miles as such. Great to have a Martini livery on it again. I think the other part of the appeal of this era of rally cars is that those iconic liveries often related to alcohol or cigarettes. Let's be honest. Absolutely, the best yeah. liveries. Fags and booze exactly. tend to be yeah. the best sponsors Produce for motorsport. The best paint jobs on any historic <laughs> racing car. Um, but if you come round the car, you've, so the body works heavily, sort of scratched and dented, and you've got every scrape and, and run down it. But it's also the floors. You see where rally cars really pick up damage. Yes. The number of times those floor panels have been replaced. I can see a bit of light through on the passenger side. <laughs> but um, when you talk to rally drivers in the period, as periodically we're lucky enough to do, the, the, the talks those improvised repairs on stages, the, the, the punishment that cars have to go through, particularly when they're doing endurance rallying like this car did, yeah. um, is really quite staggering as to what they can, they can pull up with. There are two things that are jumping out to me in here. Firstly, in reference to the on-the-road repairs and maintenance, I can see what looks like a bamboo cane in the back seat with some red tape on various levels. That, to me, as somebody that spent quite a lot of time driving old cars with unreliable fuel gauges, indicates that it's probably some sort of fuel-level measuring stick yep, yep. in quite a primitive form. And I'd like to think that that's been in there for some time. The other thing, as I close this door, the other thing that jumps out to me is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Goodwood Festival of Speed stickers that are on this car. So that is, as you say, was, signifies that this is a car that has competed at Goodwood, that's been on display and, and being driven at the rally stage up the hill. I mean, look at this lovely bit of duct tape added on there. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's like every great endurance rally car should be. It tells the story of every adventure somehow. Absolutely. Um, I should yeah, point out the duct tape that Paul's mentioning is, is actually holding the rear, the, uh, the rear right-hand side indicator onto the car. Um, it might just be for security. It could it, be. It for might security. not be doing all the work. There. <laughs> I like to let's, think it's just an additional safety measure. <laughs> absolutely. Now let's talk value because 911s over the past few years have just been skyrocketing from pretty much all iterations and eras. But uh, this this era especially, you know, I, I can recall only five to ten years ago, cars like this were selling for fifteen to twenty-five thousand pounds in this shape. Not necessarily a rally spec, albeit. Um, but they have since skyrocketed. This car in this condition covered in stickers dents bruises duct tape and dirt what are we expecting this to sell for this weekend so we've got an estimate on here of 200 to 250,000 pounds wow um but i suppose it's interesting because you, you talk about 911 prices and you're, you're right to, to pull that up as an example and definitely there's been a growing interest in that mark but you've also got a, this this is a car that crosses into as i said that historic rally market as well yeah which has also been very very buoyant i suppose for a historic rally car with that sort of level of uh, extended competition history, that's probably the more affordable end these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I suppose you could look at a car from the 60s, something like a Healy 3000 rally car, brilliant, accessible, very, very competitive historic rally car that can be really well prepared, lots of great experts in them. But if you've got a, a 3000 with a great history, it's quite a lot more than £200,000 now. Absolutely. Um, and certainly you know, the 037s, 
stratuses are well up in the stratosphere by comparison. So um, it's on the face of things might look quite a lot of money for a 76 911, but then you apply the rallying element to it and, and the parameters of historic rally cars. I think that's a very interesting and I mean I hesitate to say affordable. We do get a bit, we do get a little bit out of touch in this job at times. So I'm not going to say affordable, but you know, an interesting car for the money. Yes. Um, let's say, um, you know, you've got a lot of history there for not much more than say a, a flat floor retype. Very completely different very car, well but it's an interesting, uh, interesting parameter to think yeah. about. I know, I know what I'd rather be driving, and it's the one we're standing next to. But you won't get an invitation to Goodwood Festival of Speed in in a lot of cars for two hundred thousand pounds. That's, That's another. I think it's the event you can go to with that car. Excellent. And as we move on from it, who do you think is going to be buying this car? Do you think it's going to be someone that's going to continue using it as a rally car? I think so. I think that's, that is a really interesting car. Someone will have a lot of fun with it, and it will get them invitations to things. They'll have opportunities to do things. I mean, for example, I was talking to a client last week in Germany, and we were saying, why have we never been ice racing? You know, there's, there's a question right there. Yeah. That's an answer to the question, why have I never been ice racing? Um, I think it's, of all the cars here today, the car that you may well find you have the most opportunities coming out of and, and, and the most fun in the, as many places you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Amazing. Excellent. Right. 911. Done. Fantastic thing to walk around. My next car, I believe, is outside the marquee, which is, again, it's a very selfish choice because it's a personal favourite of mine. And I was very pleased to find, before we hit the record button, that it's also a favourite of yours, Paul. And that is a specifically Tour de France Blue Ferrari 550 Marinello. Now we're walking towards the door of the marquee and I haven't yet seen it. So we I'm knew we li you liked it and we sold it before you got here. <laughs> um, as a, it was outside, didn't it? I can see it over here on our right. Having walked outside, the first thing that we see from a car auction is a, a very small speedboat. Is this, is this a common occurrence? This is, this is not a common occurrence. I mean, occasionally in Monaco you might have the odd Riva, um, <laughs> but this little, uh, this little speedboat uh, was used by the Duke of Edinburgh. Oh, really? Um, so uh, this is why it has a little bit of additional interest um, and, and, and why it's here today. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, here it is. I've just looked over to our left and I can see this beautiful Tour de France 550 Marinello. There is something very special. There's always something very special, I find, about Ferraris that aren't red for a start. But Tour de France Blue, for me, and I know for a lot of people like me, is the one to go for if there was an option. Uh, what can you tell me about this lovely well, 550? Unfortunately, in, in both liking this car, we've revealed our ages, as we've established. We have. So this is, this is our era of Ferrari, unfortunately. So uh, for all the listeners out there, you now can guess uh, that we are in our mid-30s. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's, as you say, a fantastic colour combination. Blue uh, Tour de France. Very, very elegant colour on this particular body shape as well. I think there's something a little bit... This car I like because it's sort of... It's a modern classic, if you like. Yeah. But it does hark back to those 60s Grand Tourers. There's a lot of design cues in there that are very, very Daytona. There's a little <laughs> bit of 275 in there. Um, it's a very well-designed and, and elegant car. The interior as well with these Daytona inserts. I like the fact on this example that it's not a black interior, it's a slightly off-black blue mm, yeah. uh, interior which matches so nicely with the, uh, with the blue Tour de France. Um, this, nice, this one here sort of ticks the boxes in terms of having a great service history, limited ownership and low mileage. Um, and it's, it's a, an up-and-coming modern classic that still, as we were saying, 
again, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say it's relatively affordable, um, but only relatively, as we said. Um, and the servicing costs, as we established, I was trying to talk you out of it. Yes. Might be a little bit less affordable. But this is great. You know, you've got the servicing done. It's been cared for over a long bit of time. So if you're going to get into a 20-year-old Ferrari, mm. this is probably a good place to start as, as, as any. Um, and just on the subject of value, because, again, we've been looking at, and I've, I've, like many, many, many people that will be listening to this, I spend a lot of time shamelessly looking at classified adverts of cars I can't afford and probably never will be able to afford. And there's always that list of cars that you end up going back to. The 550 Maranello is one of those for me. Now, I'm slightly surprised that these aren't a lot more money than they are. This one, I believe, is it's got an estimate of... Is it 60 to 80? Yes, that's right, yeah. Now, I, in my head, I'm thinking surely this should be a lot more. It's a V12 front front engine, rear-wheel drive, Grand Tourer. Looks beautiful. It's a Pininfarina car. Why isn't this 150 to £200,000? I suppose we're probably a little bit on the cusp of this coming up. It's true production numbers were relatively high. And for, uh, you know, dynamically, by contemporary standards, this is not as sophisticated a car as... I don't know, you know, a contemporary Ferrari, certainly, if you look at, compare this to a Roma, yes. it's, you know, the world has moved on incredibly rapidly. Um, but I think we're, we're probably on the cusp of this moving forwards a little bit, and, and, and probably prices will rise despite the high production numbers, because people will become increasingly selective. The ones that have the missing service history, the accident damage will start to fall away. And really nice low mileage examples with good histories should start to appreciate a little bit, I must say. Okay. Um, I think we're saying the same thing about 360s. Yes. Just saying that I still look at a 360, particularly a Challenge Fidale, and think that that is probably quite an undervalued car in some ways. Yes, I agree. So what you're saying is we need to go and buy these now. We somehow need to find that money, buy them now, and then maybe 10 years' time we, we, we're in the money. And I like the 550 or the 575, because the 575 with the auto box feels, because that technology has moved so much, mm. that almost feels more dated than the manual gearbox 550. Um, so I think, for me, it's a, it's a very, very nice car to own. And, um, and you never know, you may make some money on it, although I would never say um, you know, guarantee on that basis. Very sensible, very, very sensible. Uh, and yes, absolutely, your comparison to the 575 makes me feel like we are, again, alarmingly well aligned. Right, yeah. <laughs> so let's venture back inside. I'm just going to point out some of the cars that we're walking past. Um, a rather lovely Healy 3000, which is wonderful. Lovely Healy 3000. Another historic rally car. Yes, oh, of that, course. That, you know, that's, that's a, you'd have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Nicely prepared, hard to, it looks the part. Okay, it's not a period competitor but um but really does look the part and i think that's great value it is absolutely i'm also looking at one two three four five six seven rather special aston martins all slightly we, different yes <laughs> we are going through a run of aston martins at the moment yeah some great period colors here yes so got to, I, I mean i'm not going to know the paint color i'm sorry i, I should do i've got a primrose yellow over there i can always spot of course primrose yellow that's a five that's a DB6. Six down. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a Mark II DB6 over there. Uh, we've got a, a V8 with this sort of... Yeah, how do we describe it? It's very similar in a way, slightly darker than the BMW Dakar yellow that we... not Sorry, not Dakar yellow, Phoenix yellow that we saw on the sort of mid-2000s E46 M3. That's too niche for me. Sorry. That's, that's, that's really... You've, you've gone too far. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> gold metallic. And we've got a fantastic sort of aqua... Aquamarine blue yeah, six-cylinder is... DBS. Actually, a car that 
think is 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 looking quite nice these days. The, the six in the DBS is a little bit more elegant than the V8. Um, trouble with these cars is that they were not really worth a great deal up until relatively recently and so the, the quality of restorations on them particularly if they were bought 20 years ago yeah tend to be subpar by by contemporary standards unless you're lucky to find someone that really loved it and and threw money at it regardless of any rhyme or reason basically Fabulous. but that's a nice one and there's a the beautiful olive green uh dbs over there which is a particularly nice period color as well yeah fabulous color but, um Fabulous. Yeah. Right, should we venture back inside? Because there is a rather lovely, again on that Aston Martin theme. Thank you. Just skip ahead. After you. Thank you. So I believe we're now looking for a DB4. DB4, which I think has moved actually closer to us because well, it was over there, wasn't it? Very convenient. I thought it was on the other side of the marquee, but it's it's here. So I'm looking at an Aston Martin DB4 amid the sound glorious sound of an XK Jag just rumbling around. Now, to describe this car, we have a DB4, if if you're not aware, and by the way, we will have all the photos of the cars that we're talking about will be on our social media feeds right now. So you can, if you want to, just find our Instagram feed and have a look for the Bonhams post. You'll see all these cars here. But this DB4, in case you're driving along perhaps or out walking the dog, is a glorious green. I don't know what this colour would fall under, but this is one of the iconic greens that I would always opt for if I was buying an Aston Martin. We see a full roll cage. We see one seat. Does this indicate to me that this has been used in some form of competition ball? Exactly. So this car was prepared by RS Williams to go racing in the um, Aston Martin Owners Club Series. Um, which was a back in the this is the mid 2000s very very active series very popular series um, with with a lot of a lot of pretty impressive wheel to wheel racing in it um, so fully race prepared um, uh, yeah, some some 15 years ago now um, and and will require some recommissioning of course mm-hmm. uh, to take back to the track um, but it really looks the part You've got big flared arches on it um, sort of semi semi slick. <laughs> sort of, uh, I'm not quite sure they are FIA standard tyres on there, I have to be honest. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, it really does look the part. And as we come inside, nice, oh, it's nice period style uh, bucket seat in there. Again, I think you could probably prepare a few details here now. If you're preparing this car, you might change around in terms of the look. But there's no doubt about the, uh, the intent. And prepared by one of the best names, if not the most famous name in the Aston Martin world. Um, the famous RS Williams, four and a half litre engine. Um, it's, a, it's a clearly when it was built, built to um, to a very very high standard. Fantastic, quite the track day toy, isn't it? If you wanted to uh, be a bit different to everyone else. Absolutely. No, I think uh, I think it'd be quite entertaining to take this out on a on a, on a track day and uh, try and scare a few moderns. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now, value wise on this one, I'm guessing this is not a road registered car, or am I wrong in saying that? It is not road registered. No. Okay. So this is just a toy, but I guess potential to get it road registered if you were so inclined? It depends on how friendly your local MOT station is, I suspect. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I suppose, hypothetically, you could soften it down a little bit to make it drivable on the road. Um, it would have had a road registration when it was, uh, uh, when it was uh, built. Um, yeah, the semi-slick tyres... That might be a slight issue. Tyres are easy. Uh, Tyres are easy. Swap tires. And none of us live. There's no speed humps where I live in London. Any speed humps? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in principle, it's 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 a perfectly road. It could be made road legal again. I should think. Yeah, fabulous. And estimate on this one. Sorry if I'm putting you on the spot. This there, one is one hundred and sixty to two hundred thousand pounds. 
There you go. So do you want to buy a GT3 and be like every other track day driver with a GT3, or do you want a fantastic race-prepared Aston Martin DB4? It, it's, 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 um, you, you'd struggle to make it for that, that's for sure. Exactly. Um, so, um, In fact, yeah. you'd probably st- struggle to even get a GT3 for that sort of money. This is, this is better value. This is better value. Is, is that your buyer? That's your consumer advice for today, is yes. don't get, buy an Aston Martin DB4 race car, forget a GT3. <laughs> uh, the handling and, and daily drive it maybe yeah uh, daily drive it <laughs> whack some trade plates on it at the very least for now and then worry about the MOT later um, your neighbour's yeah, going to love you with these exhausts on it as well oh I bet <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well Paul I've dragged you away from what is quite a busy afternoon I'm sure you're, you've got a lot to prepare for this weekend before we go and before I leave you to it and perhaps collar you again tomorrow for some quick words is there anything that you're really quite excited about in this auction and I know that's probably an impossible question to ask because you can sign the most beautiful cars here and on a weekend like this at the Goodwood members meeting it's going to be a huge set it's going to be very popular what is what is the one car in here if you can pick that you're quite excited about it's funny I think you sometimes you see a room of cars and it's not always the valuable things that you're drawn to or the most obvious things there's always a pleasant surprise when you walk into an auction room or you get your catalogue through and you're looking at the pictures as we're consigning and actually in this sale there is an Alvis 4.3 4, 4, 4. over there. Uh-huh. A car you would walk past. Let's go to But it's got such a pretty body on it. Uh-huh. Uh, disappearing hood. Uh, we should take the roof down. When you see the roof down, it's very, very elegant. Not a fashionable car, of course. No, not a car <laughs> that you would say is the, uh, the, the, the thing you're going to read about in the magazines, is the thing to invest in in the future. Um, but a very, very elegant body on it. When the hood's down, uh, it, it becomes a very streamlined, very 1930s, with a little bit of continental influence with these disc wheels on it. And I look at that and think... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If that body was in a Bentley, that would be an incredibly valuable yes, car. Yes, you're right. It's on an Elvis. And it's not by a well-known coach builder. Okay. And therefore, you've got a relatively affordable, but really unusual and very attractive uh, and usable pre-war car. Um, Fantastic. So it's, a, it, it's certainly not the one that, if anyone's going to ask me, what should I invest in? Which is always a question I sort of, I sort of avoid. But my heart absolutely goes with that Alvis. Fantastic. And what are we talking about value-wise here? What are we estimating? You are putting me on the spot now. Well, whilst uh, I do that, so I'm just going to point out to the listener as well, I've noticed there is a rather beautiful pocket watch mounted on the centre um, of the dashboard, which I'm guessing is would indicate that perhaps this has been used for some sort of spirited challenge, whether that's actually on a circuit or just a bit of fun around somebody's land. Um, I, I hope it's the, the latter. 
uh, but it's a lovely thing to see. Uh, we're at £180,000 here. Well, there you go. So yeah. it's possibly unique, coach-built, pre-war car, technologically advanced. You've got a synchro, synchro gearbox, so if you're not an experienced pre-war Quite driver, posh, yeah. and Elvis is, is, is a very good place to start. Brakes are good for the era. <laughs> uh, good for the era. You see how I, I did that there? <laughs> yeah. I hedged that a little bit. No, they are, they're you know, the sort of thing that you get very, very used to. And again, £180,000. You're in, you're in E-type money here. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you know, it's, it's probably not the most obvious thing you're going to jump to, but a really interesting car. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and, and a very attractive one as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Paul. I will let you get back to work, because I know you've probably got an awful lot to do. I'm going to continue ogling for a little bit. I'm going to take some little photos and videos of the cars that we've talked about. And uh, all being well, today is Friday. All being well, we'll see each other again tomorrow. Uh, we'll both probably be a, a bit more prepared for a, a nice long day. Uh, I mean, I've got the easy job here. I'm just walking around with a microphone. You, you're going to have a full day of actual grafting, aren't you? I think that's the, that's the principle of it. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, I can't guarantee. Um. <laughs> and what we'll do as well, we'll also include, because of course we're recording this before the auction, we'll do a bit tomorrow when the auction's on and over the weekend, I'll upload all the sale prices as well in the blurb below so you can have a look and include a link to the Bonham site so you can see all of these different lots that we've been talking about and see all the lovely photos in greater detail as well. Paul, I will let you get back to work. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Good morning. I say good morning, it's actually midday at the time that I'm recording this, and you're listening to this at who knows what time. Good day. Good day to you. John here at the Goodwood Members Meeting. An amazing weekend full of motorsport, full of sights, sounds, smells, people, exciting people, amazing people. We are here, of course, with Bonhams this weekend and have done loads of fun stuff in the Bonhams marquee, looking at the amazing cars that they have. Uh, we will be bringing you info- well, we're bringing you that content in this episode, so you've got that to come. Uh, but as well as that, I'm also going to be walking around, walking and talking with my handheld microphone, looking a bit like a uh, TV presenter from the early 1990s with a big handheld microphone uh, and seeing who I bump into. Unfortunately, I have found some people to bump into. I'm going to walk over to a lovely little shop and without any warning whatsoever, I'm just going to interject... Hello, Reverend Adam Gompertz. Hello. How are we doing? I'm all right, thank you. It's very nice today, isn't it? It's lovely weather. They do call it Glorious Goodwood. They do. And the weather is glorious. I can see why. Yeah, no, it is absolutely stunning. So this is quite nice. I was just walking around the grounds, and over in the distance, I saw a little shop with a sign above it saying, Auto Artist for Ukraine. Yeah. Look at this, you've got your own little setup. We've got our own Ferrari as well, which is rather nice, a Daytona. Um, so, um, yeah, no, we've got, uh, uh, we only found out about three weeks ago that we were getting the slot here. So we've been, Johnny and I have frantically been kind of tracking down people and who've been very good to give us a whole load of art um, on top of the art they've already given us. And we're here selling it. So exciting. That is really, really exciting. Now, when I came over, just to spoil the illusion of, uh, of recording, thinking, so the, the listener thinks this is all spontaneous and I've walked over from a distance, but you broke the news to me that um, something rather exciting has happened over the, the past day or so with, with regards to money raised. So certainly, I mean, we're, we're on track, I would say, um, without having done the reckoning of what we've taken so far, but we're on track probably over the weekend to break 40,000. That is unbelievable, isn't yeah. it? So that's 40,000 since you got started. Since we got started, and it's all down to people's generosity, the generosity of people who've obviously 
bought artwork, the people, the generosity of all the artists who've donated artwork, the generosity of everybody here at Goodwood to allow us to be here. Um, you guys as well, because you pushed it and publicised it. You know, we said, I think, on the, the podcast when we were with you, we're just two blokes who had an idea, thought we can do something with colouring in, and, and everybody else has got behind it. And, and here we are at Goodwood with a Ferrari Daytona uh, and, and selling work. It's been incredible. And what's the response been for people that have walked in so far? I mean, we're only, we're only just gone midday on the, on the first day of the weekend. Are people coming in having already heard of you or is this a, a new thing to a lot of people? Um, it's a mixture of both. We've had people coming up and saying, what's this all about? So we've been able to talk to them. We've had people coming and saying, I've seen you on Instagram. We've had people coming and saying, we heard the podcast on Driven Chat. Um, didn't realise you guys were coming. Really good to see you. Um, so we've had a, a, a whole mixture of, of stuff. And um, the nice thing is that, you know, we've got here displayed a whole range of artwork at different price points. So it's accessible, but there's stuff people can bid on as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Johnny, have, Johnny and I have actually sat down at all since we <laughs> started this morning. So, um, have we had breakfast so, yet? We haven't, had no, we haven't had breakfast yet either. either. So, um, but it's just been incredible. And what's been really, really nice is the conversation. So I got chatting to somebody who used to live in the Ukraine and is obviously very concerned about what's going on. Mm. So really good to hear about those stories. We've got other people who've got relatives or friends or they've, they've uh, got contacts in Ukraine so it's just been incredible from that point of view as well amazing amazing well I wish you the best of luck over the weekend I'm sure that lots of people are going to be coming in spending their hard-earned cash for a fantastic cause and um, yeah perhaps I'll, I'll check in with you perhaps tomorrow yeah, talk, talk to him because he's 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 absolutely brilliant we came in yesterday <laughs> and um, we we literally arrived and we got told we were we only had until about 5 30 to set up and Johnny Ambrose just set to with his drill and his um and and what you see is is the result of of johnny's kind of right this is where it's going and this is what we're going to put up this is how we're going to do it it's perfect so johnny come on then step in so you're no stranger to setting up the occasional exhibition or gallery it was uh it was a case of need really uh, we, we 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 got here in good time uh but uh yes because um uh, of, of, of things we only had about two three hours to set up and uh and sweep out the place and things like that but uh yeah it was all about just getting the wall uh, the artworks on the walls uh in a kind of semi-cohesive pattern um so that it's, um just it set off the works um nice and vibrant work so it trap people in um, nothing to say anything of the uh, rather vibrant uh, Daytona that sat outside yeah. of course you know which is just fantastic to have that also conveniently in um, yellow with blue accents which is yes. quite fitting to the uh, the message we're going for here yeah, absolutely yeah yeah it was uh, when uh, when we found out that, uh, we could uh, uh, have this it was just like oh crikey yes this is just perfect and with the race delivery as well it fits in so well with good with the meeting and I must admit, I've always loved the retro graphics, loved the Marshall cat. It's just uh, of an era, you know, so it just looks so great. Fantastic. Well, I'll let you continue ogling that, or more importantly, attending to the lovely people that have taken, given their time to come in here and hopefully spend some money and buy some stuff. So 
uh, best of luck over the weekend. I'll check in with you again, uh, perhaps well, later on today and, and maybe tomorrow and see how you're both handing up. Maybe, shall I bring anything I can bring? Coffees, biscuits, cakes? Oxygen, <laughs> Oxygen yeah. No, I mean, a, a massive thanks actually to you guys at Driven Chat because, you know, you've helped us tell the story um, and, and lots of other people have too. And I think that's, that's the wonder of the, the community we're all part of, that word gets around and people want to help. And, um, yeah, um, so it's just been fa- fantastic, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. absolutely all the artists and like uh, all the supporters like yourself can't thank it's a, a numerous list we've got yeah. to thank everyone afterwards our list is getting bigger and bigger every hour <laughs> almost it seems but uh, no it's uh, it's really uh, fantastic yeah. everyone's kind of pulled together it is it is well I'm very very proud to have done a, a, a tiny part just in helping spread the word so uh, yeah and as I walk around today I'll try and direct a few more people in here as well for thank you. you thank you okay. Thank you, John. Cheers, John. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. I'm currently, I think this is a first, certainly a first for me. It may even be a first in radio recording history uh, because I am sat in a racing car about to give an interview to a good friend of the show, Mr. Drew Pritchard. Hello, Drew. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Thank you for coming to see me. Find me in the pits. Well, you said, yeah, come and find me in the pits, which I've done. We were, just to kind of set the scene for the Goodwood members meeting, in the pit garages, if you've not seen them before, are effectively an open space full of racing cars. A lot of these racing cars are just about to go out on track. So therefore, there's mechanics doing final bits of tinkering. There's engines running, making sure that the cars are running smoothly. So lots and lots of noise. So we decided the safest place to record would be inside your racing car. And I will let you do the <laughs> intro as to what we're sat in. So, tell me about this lovely car. We, we are sat in my 1958 Volkswagen Beetle race car. And we built this initially seven years ago. Uh, it was more of a, it looked more of a show car. It wasn't really a race car. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and then we a year later, we took the entire thing apart, redid it all. Ian at uh, Wolfberg Performance Services and Andrew Hobday uh, took the car apart rebuilt it and we've been um, altering it preparing it working on it you know just it, year in year out we've had a lot of lows like a lot of mistakes a lot of money's been spent on engines and things that have gone wrong I don't know how many engines now I think we're on engine number five oh, wow. uh, but now it's right we can't this is it you know when you get something you think we're there this is pretty much it that's really cool and now correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think I can recall seeing a Volkswagen Beetle racing at the Goodwood Revival or the Goodwood Members Meeting before. Is this a special rarity? Uh, no. Um, well, the, the, the last Volkswagen Beetle to race was in 1958, right? Uh-huh. And then I was the first one to race again in 2018 at the Members Meeting. This was the first time we took it out. Uh-huh. Since then, it's been to the Revival twice and now back to the Members Meeting. So you, you've just, you're not watching, John. We've, we've, been there, we've been doing it, but we didn't always finish. I would say that. We didn't always get round. But what I meant really is, is to see a Volkswagen Beetle racing car here, this is, I think, the only one I'm aware of. Is it, that right? It, it's the only one in the country that races in historics, yes. There are Beetle Cup cars. There's lots of drag cars. There's lots of hill climb cars. Um, but there's nothing that's set up for uh, classic circuit racing. There's nothing. Nobody's stupid enough. <laughs> To be perfectly honest with you, you'd have to be really daft and, and just throwing money at it because I just I just really wanted to do it. You know, this is I, I've all, I've had Volkswagen since I was 18. Never been without one, without an air-cooled Volkswagen since, and I just had to build a race car. And and this this you know, it was a, it was a really stupid idea. 
It was a colossally stupid thing to do, but we're here and we're having loads of fun with it. Well, all the best ideas are tend to be the most stupid ones, don't yes. they? Yeah. So you're used to driving around. I think a couple of times I've seen you driving a rather lovely Porsche 911, probably not, not too dissimilar in era, maybe 10 or 15 years apart. 10 years newer, the, the, the earliest 911 I've got. Um, I'm in my other, I'm in a 911 today, uh, in my 993 C4 manual Wonderful. as well. So that's a, a recent addition to the collection. Um, yeah, it's, uh, they, they get under your skin. <laughs> Cars with the engines in the wrong end, they just they get under your skin, they really do. What are the handling characteristics like in this lovely old Beetle in comparison to the short wheelbase 911 you've got? I don't know. Handling characteristics are not really... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it has them. It's it's sort of, we're, there, we're all right, we're all right. Oh, my God, we're not all right. I think it's that. But we, we've got a trapeze bar set up on the back now. We've got um, uh, two, diff- two three, five, six sway bars that we've uh, melded together. To, 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 and camber compensators on there as well to try and control it so it's about as controllable as it's going to get but into the big right handers I still have to slightly flick the car and on off the power to unsettle the back end to get it out so you're very much at that point steering with the back of the car and it's really hard and you know I am with racing I'm enthusiastic but rubbish <laughs> so you know that's what I, so I'm just it's constant learning curve but it's hard and it's really scary to be wow. perfectly honest with you, it really is a scary thing to do. Do you feel like you're getting more into the swing of things? Like, does it does it become a bit in- intuitive, or is it still just as scary each time? It's 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 just as scary each time. But what happens? You just stop thinking about what you're doing and where you are, and just do it. Yeah. And at that point, you're okay. So I've I've just been out. Did 20 minutes. I got two fast laps in. Wow. And, and on the second one, I didn't even think about it. And I, I had, it, and it was, it was just right. So for that split second, it felt right. And with, with all the racing, you just after those split seconds of getting that corner right, then the next place right, and the next place on the track correct, and that gear shift correct, and it, it, it's a thousand things to do in a split second. It's, it's, it's completely engrossing. And tell me about the cars that you're racing against. What else have you got around you in the field? I've got a two-stroke Saab next to me, which put, puffs out more spoke than a power station. And it's loads of fun, but the guy's really nice, and he's built a, a very, very accurate replica of an old Le Mans car when, the, when those, these two-stroke Saabs run there. Wow. We've got a Renault 4 CV next to us. There's a Peugeot 203 four-door saloon next to that. A couple of Morris Miners, a Minx. There's a, there's a standard Vanguard. I mean, there's, it's, it's all the weird cars that really shouldn't be race cars are here. And that's what the Sopwith Cup very much is about. And also the, the HRDC, uh, which I'm a member of, the Historic Racing Drivers Club. It's all those oddballs who just don't want to race something normal. Just having, having a go in something really odd and making our life... You make your life really difficult. I could have just gone and bought like a Lotus Cortina or a Mini Cooper and, <laughs> and just gone out and enjoyed it and had no problems. But this is continual development and loads of fun and nobody else is doing it. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, it is good fun and you're absolutely right. I mean, the wonderful thing about the members meeting as an event is you are surrounded by all these amazing cars from multiple different eras. We've got everything from Porsche 917, Le Mans racing cars. We've got F1 cars currently out on the circuit. You can probably hear them in the background. And then the weird and wonderful, which is, I think this is what this category <laughs> yeah. falls into, isn't it? We should be called the weird and wonderful. It's quite, a, but you know what? It's competitive, and some of the boys, uh, the, the guys, the, the two young, the brothers who race the, I think one's in a standard Vanguard, one's in A35. They're so quick. Yeah. Those boys, you're just getting out of their way. There's a there's a two huge Jaguars out there as well. Um, but I'm I'm you know I hold my own where I am. And if I get tomorrow, if we get to do a little bit of a dice with somebody, you know, get into your own race, 
you know, with just one or two of the other guys, it's great. The, to the, one of the guys with the Morris Miners, I always have a really good dice with him. Oh, that's good stuff. And outside of the cars, once the race is finished, is it all good good spirits and camaraderie in the pit lane? Uh, yeah, it is. It, it's it, it's good fun, and you've got to be. We're all here to have fun. There's no prizes. There's no well, there are prizes, but there's no um, championship. Yeah, we're here for the day for people to look at the cars, enjoy it. You see how open it is. People can come right up to you. Um, and, and it's just a good laugh. I was here on setup yesterday with Marino, and we just spent that entire day wandering around, looking at cars, chatting to people, having a burger and a coffee. It's a great event. I love I love anything to do with Goodwood. It, it, it's, very, very, it's a very special event. Yeah, I think we mentioned that, didn't we? The last time we spoke here, we were sat at the Revival in one of the hospitality tents there and you were explaining the same thing saying it and you're so right is there's something about the atmosphere of Goodwood that is unmatched to any other motorsport meeting anywhere in the world and that goes for the revival it goes for the members meeting where we are now it also goes for the uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed the hill climb I don't know what it is or why it is but there is just something so very special about being here isn't there there is I don't it is it's like a little bit of Goodwood magic isn't there yeah I mean I've got other favorite tracks I love ra- racing at Alton Park and Donington right they're both just some of my favorite tracks which are a bit more favorable to this car they sort of the car sort of geared for those tracks but there's a little bit of Goodwood sort of magic dust sprinkled over everything when you're here and it's just like it's like the sort of Glastonbury for cars you know it, it, it's a bit mad and you don't know what you're going to expect and you walk around a corner and there might be a Lola part next to a standard Vanguard yeah. you're on a Porsche 904 cruising by it's it is one of those one of those places where you get to see cars you'd, you'd never really see but for me I love to go and look at the car parks and on setup yesterday a lot of the drivers were bringing their own cars mm. in some of the stuff that turns up there <laughs> wow really wow yeah no it is it's uh, it, it's magical at all angles you're so right walking back to the car park often once the once the event's finished you'll see some stuff there that's just as spe- spectacular and special as the stuff you've been seeing driving around now in the in a fantasy world before i let you get back to it obviously seeing the other array of cars that we've got here at the weekend is there anything here that you're looking at and thinking god i really would love to have a go in that um uh marino is out in the big skull bandit porsche right i would love to have a go in that um, there are so a couple of Lolas over there, but being perfectly honest with you, there's a 904 Porsche or the GT, what, an early GT40. There's there's so many. Uh, you know, one of those two. Let, okay, let, GT40, GT40. I'll take I'll take one of those out. Full full chat. Love to have a go. Yeah, I think that's a very very fair shout. Flat plane crank V8 ripping around an oh, iconic what? circuit like this oh, is special. Oh no, there's some Rover SDIs out, ah. and they're insane. Have you heard the noise? No, not yet. Incredible. And the Capris. That yeah, one of those. I'm changing my mind. What I'll do. <laughs> well, we'll conclude it before we can get any <laughs> any more uh, conf- uh, conflict thrown in. But Drew, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for accommodating me in your lovely little beetle. This has certainly been a first for me, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. So, the remainder of today, you've got more qualifying to do or more that, testing to do. That's it. I'm done. So it's cheeseburger, cup of tea, wander around, and then we got the party uh, tonight. Is there a party tonight? Is it Saturday? Tonight, it's, yeah. it's tonight. Yeah. So I think they've got a band on. So we'll watch a bit of that. Fantastic. And then the big race tomorrow. Big race tomorrow. Can't look. We're out about 10.30 tomorrow morning, I think. So hopefully it's dry. Hopefully there's there's there, there's no frost. And we get round with no damage. Nobody gets hurt. I'll be really happy. Fantastic. Drew Pritchard, thank you very much. And best of luck. Thank you, mate. Cheers. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital.
Welcome back to the Bonhams Marquee. I say welcome back, but to you as the listener, it's probably a couple of minutes at most that you last since you last heard my voice. Uh, but for me, it's been a solid 24 to 48 hours. Feels like possibly seven days. I don't know. I've completely lost track. What I can tell you is that we are approaching the end of the Goodwood members meeting. We are, I think, now on the final race of the weekend. They're just in Park Ferme now, about to go out. And what has also concluded is the Bonhams sale. The auction has gone through. I have found a very, I don't want to say tired looking Paul, but a, a, a very um, hard worked Paul Darville, I think is fair to say, who has been working very hard in putting the auction through. How are you feeling at the end of this weekend, Paul? Despite the way I look, I, I feel pretty good actually, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, as, as the listener, yeah, time has, time has moved on quicker and it'd be a sort of a montage, I think, between where we were before. If we were doing a film right now, there'd be some frantic music, a lot of running around, and here we are at the end. Uh, a great feeling of elation at the end of the sale. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I've been trying to keep track on some of the cars that have been going through, but with so much going on outside and motorsporty things, and this is a huge social event, it's been quite hard to keep track. But now that the sale has concluded, I managed to come in just about halfway through to see some of the last, the last lots go through. I thought it'd be good to have a quick recap with you and talk about some of those cars that have gone through. So we picked out the Porsche, the brilliant rally Porsche 911, the uh, amazing DB5 track-prepared car, and the completely self-indulgent 550 Marinello that was parked outside. Um, so should we start with that Porsche 911? The sale went through of that this afternoon. How did that go? It went very well indeed. Well, I think we, we picked three good cars. They've all sold, so that's good news for the, for the sake of the radio and for the sake of the auction house, of course. Um, so our 911 sold for £207,000, including our buyer's commission, um, and is returning to its native Germany. Oh, that's fantastic. And do you think that's going to any clues as to who it's going to, i.e. are they going to continue using it as a rally car like we hoped? I'm not sure, to be honest. I was dealing with a, a broker, an agent, representing the client. It was, a, it was a three-way phone conversation on the phone with a bit of German translation going on in the background. We were trying to slow down the bidding to give the gentleman I was speaking to time to speak to his client. Um, but certainly it's going back to northern Germany um, and hopefully it will come back here and be used in the way it should be. I, I really hope it will be. Yeah, me too. It's such a fantastic thing to see. And yeah, I really hope that, uh, as you say, it, uh, it goes to the right home and we see it back on track. Now, the next one we saw, um, or the next one we're going to talk about, was the amazing DB5. And again, just to remind you, dear listener, uh, all of these cars, we have little 60-second videos of it. I've put them up on our social feeds today, on the day that you're hearing this. If you're hearing this two years later, then you know, good luck scrolling back and finding it, but they are all there. Uh, the beautiful DB5, track prepared, roll cage, bucket seat. Did you say it was the Aston Martin Owners Club Racing or something along those lines? Exactly, yep, exactly. And I think that car's gone to the States again, you know, international um, uh, bidders here today. Again, I think the buyer of that car is intending to return it to the track. Um, and keep it in the UK, re-prepare the car, and it's found a good home. So I'm fairly certain that that car will be out on track again and has certainly gone to a good home. Spent quite a lot of time with the buyer here yesterday, going through the car, trying to understand what could be done with it, and um, it's gone to the right owner. Fantastic. So you actually had the, the conversation, the build-up, you, and you, you can sign that car as well? No. Oh, okay. So, but, <laughs> so you met the buyer... Um, 
pre-bidding, talked them through it, and that must be quite a rewarding feeling when the hammer goes down and it's somebody that you've lined up. You get quite invested in these things, actually. I think when you work with a buyer over a period of time, there was a, a buyer here today who bought one of the DB6s, someone I met several months ago, introduced by a friend. We've talked about DB6s on a couple of occasions. He came here today. And you get, you get quite emotionally invested in it to a degree. Uh, you really want your clients, your buyers to win the lots and uh, and you like to then follow the story of the cars and sometimes you get to see these cars resurrected restored and you handle them several times through their life which is which is really great fun it's great fun to follow meet people through the cars that you're selling yeah i can imagine and the i'm struggling now to think what the estimate was on that can you remember it we were somewhere around one. I, I am tired now. I'm going to confess, I am tired. I think we were around one eighty to two fifty on that particular car. So um, it, it, it did well against estimate. Um, and and say so the important thing is that someone's going to enjoy and use that car, having seen it in storage for such a long period of time. Um, it's great this return to track. So go on then. Tell me what did the hammer go down at? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head because that figure we've written down there is for the DB5. I've ah, so this is this is a technical glitch, uh, listeners. Uh, we've we've looked at the wrong car, uh, the DB5, which was another car we glanced at, I think, on our circuit yesterday, but we didn't talk about specifically. Which was a really original, untouched restoration project, great history file, and that was a, one of the big sort of surprises of the sale actually, because we'd estimated that at about 280. Uh, which is a rational sort of estimation for a DB5 that requires some investment. But there was a, a father and son uh, in, the, in the room that fell in love with it, wanted to restore the car, and they bid that particular car against the 280 estimate to £506,000. Um, but a real emotional purchase, and when you look at that car, I totally understand why you would fall in love with it and feel that you have a... You know, almost a, sort of a, a duty to restore it, enjoy it, and return it to the road. So we made a mistake when we were looking at our results. I've looked the wrong one down, but also another nice story from today's sale. It is a nice story, and I, I think I was stood relatively close to you at the time that they were bidding, and I thought, oh, this this does feel extra special. I had no relation to these this father and son at all, but just the fact that they were standing beside me as they were bidding was quite a special moment. It's quite a nice thing to see. Yeah, you see a hobby that's passed down, I suppose, as car enthusiasts, both of us, you, you think about often it's that's passed on from father to son. My father wasn't particularly a car guy, but he was hugely encouraging to me when I started getting into this. And I remember similar things and, and going to look at cars with him. And um, you see that in an auction room, father and son, father and daughter, and, and, and it, 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 it also pulls at the heartstrings because we've all kind of been there. You're absolutely right. I mean, this weekend, despite doing bits and pieces here with Driven Chat and... Uh, having a nice kind of social weekend as well with lots of other people I've been walking around with my dad it's been lovely it's been uh, one of these traditions we've been doing it since the late 1990s and since I was uh, yeah at, uh, at knee height asking what's that dad what's that dad and now it's kind of gone the other way around and I'm telling him what everything is which is quite exciting now we uh, the self-indulgent one the one that hit a real soft spot for me and I was delighted to also hear that it hit a soft spot for you was that gorgeous Tour de France blue 550 Maranello the estimate on that, I thought, was a, was about what it was going to go for, which I think was like 60 to 70, around that sort of figure. I think that's the car we both wanted. We both walked around this room, and we, again, we talked about it. It was our generation, our, the, 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 one of the sort of poster cars of our era. Yeah, the estimate, I felt, was about right. Uh, 80 to, well, about 80 to 100,000 pounds on that particular car. Lovely colour combination. 
I always look at these things and think, ah, annoyingly, if I like it, my taste is not bad enough. And, and, and undoubtedly, if I like it and you like it, there's undoubtedly a couple of other people who have looked at it in the same way. And sure enough, uh, the 550 went for £97,000, uh, including our commission. Um, so a good result for the car. Um, I'm not sure where that one's ended up. I was with the underbidder. He was really, he, he's now in our club, you know, he, he's, he's texted me and said, sort of regret not going again, but hey, that's, that's part of the fun of the auction, you make the decision in the moment, you might err uh, one way or the other, um, but yeah, a good result for that car, and um, you know, we, we better buy one soon, uh, because uh, that's, a, that's an ominous result for, for you and I. It's so true. It is a fantastic result for the car. A terrible result for you and I, who was hoping perhaps it was going to go for 50 grand. That was going to be the market value, and we might find a way to, to, to buy one one day. But yeah, if they're, if they're slowly creeping back up above that 100,000 mark, perhaps in a year or so, then yeah, this could be the one. We tipped it off. Earlier in this podcast, we tipped it off that it was going to be the one to go, and we were right. Oh, absolutely. But it's, you know, it's a slightly difficult moment for us, because I think you're always chasing that next thing, and whatever it be, I'm chasing Clear Williams. And they, they were always too expensive. And now they are even more too expensive than they were five years ago. And there's always one of those cars that you look at and think, one day, I'm, I'm close to that, not so far away, but it's always moving faster than you are. <laughs> one day, eh? One day. One day, absolutely. Or we go halves. Have share, like timeshare or something. That's never gone wrong, has it? <laughs> no, indeed. So... The auction's done, all the cars have gone through. I mean, it's, it, it's fantastic to see uh, the, the atmosphere of the auction room as it, as it goes through is, is really exciting. But tell me now, what happens next? Because we're, we're in this enormous marquee. I originally called it a tent when we first started recording on Friday evening, which feels like about eight weeks ago. Um, but what happens now with the marquee? Do these cars stay here overnight? Does it get unloaded tomorrow? Tell me what, what happens now. Can you rest? Can you relax? The behind the scenes bit um, is always quite interesting, I think, because sometimes you see this venue pop up. As an auction house, we are in some ways in the events business as well. And within 48 hours, this marquee won't be here anymore. Uh, Overnight, the cars will stay here because the event's still rolling on. Tomorrow morning, the team will be here early. We'll start unloading cars. By one o'clock tomorrow, there'll be nothing left here. The the set team will come in, they'll dismantle everything. And by five o'clock tomorrow, there'll be nothing left here apart from the marquee team taking the actual building down and it's it's always the same way in these auctions um you know we, we just did a sale in paris in february we decked out this huge space at the grand palais Femme. it was spectacular and i watched it from start to finish we loaded in there was nothing there and then within three days you were exactly back as if you'd never been there never set foot in the building and, and it, it's quite miraculous really to see the transformation um and yeah our work here doesn't end when the hammer falls on the last lot We've got another 24 hours here to make sure everything's loaded out. Goes now. Most of the cars will go to storage. Uh, some will go direct to buyers if they've had a chance to pay for them. And some will go on to shipping hubs to be exported to the USA, to continental Europe. Um, so there's a huge logistical challenge that now begins uh, to move simultaneously. What, 78 cars here? Sometimes some of our sales, it's over 100 cars. They are moving within a day in and a day out, and the whole thing moves on again. And we'll be doing it all again 13th of May in Monaco. So it's uh, you've got to enjoy that pace and you've got to enjoy the logistics element to it and the event side of it if you're going to work in the auction business. Um, but it's, it's still quite good fun. Yeah, I can imagine. And does anyone, this might be a completely ludicrous thing to ask, but does anyone bid on a car, buy a car, sort the funds? Is anyone able to drive the car home from an event like this? In principle, yes. I mean, it, it, we're a Sunday, so today, no. 
but if we were a weekday sale, if you can pay for the car, transfer the money, it has to hit our account and sit with us at that point, you can prove you've insured yourself on the car, you can drive the car away. Now, honestly, with these sort of cars, we're dealing with classic cars, some of which have been in storage, my advice to clients is always don't do that. I've definitely done it myself, uh, but if you're willing to do it and you want to do it, and you understand that the car may be, is untested, un, untried, and you want to drive it home, yes, you could do it. Uh, I think it's um, never particularly sound advice, sadly. Romantic as the idea is, um, and we've definitely all had that thought, go to the States, buy a car, drive it across the, drive it across the country. Um, I'm sure the reality is probably a little bit less glamorous. <laughs> Once you've found yourself at a port filling out customs forms and carnet forms, that yeah, the magic disappears. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't do any of that. Definitely not. Right. I mean, amazing, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. One of the things that we are really looking forward to now, because we've got a lovely partnership that's building now between Driven Chat and Bonham, specifically with the Goodwood events. And I know you mentioned you're in Monaco in a month or so to run that auction, but you're also now looking ahead to the Goodwood Festival of Speed. And there is still an opportunity, so for anyone that's listening, thinking, do you know what, I've got a car or two that it, it's time for me to let them move on and perhaps the, the hassle of a private sale seems a bit daunting. What is the, what's the advantage here in getting in contact with Bonhams now and saying, do you know what, Festival of Speed seems like the perfect point of sale for my car. It's going to have the right captive audience, perhaps something a bit sportier, something along the lines of a supercar I think is quite well fitting for the Festival of Speed. How does that process work? What, what should people need to do? They should contact our, our, our office in London, our car department there in, uh, in New Bond Street. Uh, we're still consigning for the sale investor of speed. And yeah, it could be about um, maybe wanting to have a, the sale managed by another, another uh, party. You know the car's going to be sold on a particular day and you know you're going to receive the funds at a certain point. But I would also say a lot of my clients enjoy the auction process. And it's an experience selling at auction. You bring the car to an event, you get to partake in that event, you get to see the car, and you play the game a little bit and you see some of the magic that can happen in the auction room. We were talking about DB5. The vendor of that car was willing to sell that car at £280,000. People here today in the market, the people who came to Goodwood members meeting, thought it was worth over 500000 And if you want to be part of that and be part of the experience, part of the event, there's nothing like an auction. Um, it's not going to be for everybody. I fully accept that. I say that to clients. Sometimes it's not what people want to do. But I think it's a very fun way to sell a car um, and, a, and, a, and a way of selling a car where something magical can happen. Very rare in your life, you put your house in the market. Maybe the house is a bad example. Generally, if you advertise something at a price, you either get the price or you get less. An auction is the only sort of circumstance you can sell an object, agree to sell it at a price, and potentially get more, and sometimes dramatically more. So it's, um, it's a fun experience, I think, and I would encourage people to come and see our sales, come and look at them online. We broadcast everything live, of course, so you can follow the sales. And if you're interested in selling an auction, contact the team in New Bond Street. We're consigning for another eight weeks or so. Uh, and the Festival of Speed's Fair is a great, great auction, huge public attendance. Particularly, we're focusing on sort of more modern sports and supercars, uh, but there's plenty of almost 50s and 60s cars in there as well. It's a diverse event and, and always a very successful sale for us that's really integrated into the Goodwood event. Fantastic. Well, I sadly don't think I'm going to be able to make it to Monaco to be able to be part of that auction, because I think that will be amazing. As much as I love Monaco, it's a 
a lot going on at that time, unfortunately, with uh, other bits and pieces. Real work, shall we call it. However, I will 100% definitely be with you at the Festival of Speed. be amazing to see the cars that you've got going through the sale there. And, um, hey, let's do this all over again. What do you think? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm sorry you can't come to Monaco. You're very welcome. Uh, it's a great event, of course. Uh, but if not, we'll see you at Festival and look forward to walking around the tent again with you and spotting, um, hopefully, some more successful sales. Uh, Paul, it's actually called a marquee. That's Mark Ewan, yep, yep, sorry, sorry, I've, I've, uh, don't tell our PR department. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. I'm going to let you now have a well-deserved uh, glass of champagne and, um, yeah, see you next time. See you next time. Cheers to that. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. We're back. I say we're back. Amy and I are back just following that lovely Bonhams content. Thank you so much for making it this far into the podcast. Our 100th episode. Uh, Andy has got to, has had to disappear. He's had to go and do more of that sort of boring grown-up work, um, <laughs> leaving Amy and I. But again, I just wanted to jump in again. I'm not going to say another big gushy thank you. Um, but what I will say is for all of you that are listening and have enjoyed the content so far, if you are willing to leave us a lovely review, that would go down an absolute treat. And Amy has just alerted me to the fact that you can now rate us on Spotify. Yes, because I'm a Spotify podcast listener. I'm, I'm not the, the, the usual ways of Apple whatevers. So yes, yeah, Spotify can now give us the stars. Please give as many of the stars. We would thank you very much and it would make us smile a lot if you would give us five of the stars. Five of the stars. It's about as many as you can give. So uh, <laughs> yeah, max out on the stars. If you are one of those um, Apple people, like me, and you are up for just writing some kind words, it does really, really genuinely does do amazing things for us. If it's the only thing you do to thank us for this podcast, if it's to write some nice words on the Apple podcast reviews, uh, it would be much appreciated. So uh, yeah, thank you for all of you that are just starting to do that now. Uh, I do appreciate, as I say every time, if you are listening to this in the car, like when I listen to podcasts, don't do that. Don't don't try and give a review now. Just, you know, make a note, mental note to do it later later on ah it's exhausting isn't it all this podcasting amy sure i know but i love it i genuinely love it and when people come up to me and say hey i listen to your podcast like do you i do yeah it's bizarre (laughs) i see the hundreds of thousands of listeners because i look at the stats i am the one that uploads the files once tom's put them all together i upload the files onto our podcasting platform and write the copy for them and all that sort of stuff so I see the insights, I see all the analytics, and every single time I'm like, oh, that's an impressive number. But then when one person comes up to me at an event and goes, oh, hi, yeah, just wanted to say hello and, and, and let you know that I listen to your podcast. I'm like, really? <laughs> Suddenly, For it's, real? You know, it's like that they're real people. They're not just numbers on a, on a screen. They're real people. Yeah, they are real people. You dear listener, are a real person. Um, So thank you for being a real person. And thank you for everyone that has taken a moment to come and say hi at an event. I appreciate if you live in Australia or New Zealand, like Harrison does, then, um, hi Harrison, then you uh, won't be able to come over to us and say hi. But um, yeah, any kind of feedback you can provide uh, via the internet would be uh, just, yeah, much appreciated. And um, yeah. I'm really excited to know who we're going to get on next because we don't often know too far in advance who we're going to get on the podcast. So no. if anybody does have some suggestions saying, you know, I, I reckon this person's quite interesting or have you thought about approaching this person? Please do drop us an email at podcast at drivenchat.com and let us know because we would like to talk to people you would like to listen to us talking to. So true. And also, yeah, um, attack them on social media as well. (laughs) Attack in a very kind way. But yeah, tag us all in. If you're on Twitter, then tweet them and tweet us and say, hey, at insert celebrity automotive icon here, 
go on the Driven Chat podcast because John and Amy want to talk to you. Um, and yeah, tag us all in and hopefully we can make that happen because it is great and we have done it. We, ha- we have had people suggest names that have resulted in interviews. So if you want that to happen to your favourite automotive personality, um, please stop requesting JK. He doesn't return our calls. No, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> Believe us, we've tried. It must be the most common, you know who'd be good for your podcast, JK. Yeah, he'd be great. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he he manages himself, doesn't he, Amy? You kind yeah. of know him, don't you? It's cool. Well, uh, he basically had too many glasses of free champagne, I think, at a Goodwood <laughs> event. And I'd been taking photographs of him all day. And then he was like, hey, how do I how do I get these, these photographs from me? And I said, you know, have you got an agent or somebody that I could you know get in touch with to, to be able to drop them he's like if i had an agent i wouldn't have all of these lovely cars and he gave me his mobile number wow. and so then since then I, we have swapped a couple of text messages over lockdown he would send me i don't really know why because i'm still a stranger to him but um i just think he was bored very very bored and we just <laughs> send anyone car related just videos of his cars his, him walking around his cars and because he's excited about them he wants to talk about them so then i was like hey funny that you've just sent me this video i've got this new podcast that i've just started want to want to come and chat on it and then I've not heard from him since. Ah. <laughs> so, Jay, if you're actually a secret fan, why don't you, uh, why don't you come on board? Yeah, send Amy a text. Go on. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> right, let's leave you to it, dear listener. Thank you again for uh, sticking with us right the way to the end of this episode. It always amazes me that people do. And you can do so. I'm going to test you by saying, if you go to our latest post on Instagram, <laughs> I would like you to leave the comment of OMG 100 Eps. How, uh, how are we spelling Eps? E-P-S. Okay. <laughs> However, I will leave it to your creative control. You can add, you can, you can uh, detract, you can customize your message however you like but as long as we can kind of interpret that you have heard this uh, by leaving that sort of comment and i love it when people do it's really cool to see it, it really <laughs> is. Uh, right shall we have a cup of tea and go about our normal daily lives and leave our dear listeners to go about their normal daily lives and listen to all the other car podcasts on a monday yes and yeah i just want you to have a really great day of your listening oh <laughs> i also want you to have a great day but amy wants you to have a great day more than i do can't stress that <laughs> I couldn't get it. <laughs> Bye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh, wow, you've made it to the end, the very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.